Okay, Father. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Dear Father, come and glorify your name. We bless you, Father. We love you. We thank you so much for your faithfulness to us. We thank you so much, Father, for your providence, for taking care of us, for nurturing us like, like birds, like little, little birds to a, a big bird. <laughs> thank you for being our big bird. And dear Lord, we um, ask you, I ask you, help me to be more faithful to you today. This evening, as I go to bed, tomorrow morning as I wake up and throughout my day, Help me to be more faithful to you and what you're calling me to do in that moment of each day. And Lord, I pray for anybody who might be listening to this thing, who may have stumbled onto this podcast for whatever reason. Father, come into their heart in a new way today. Come into their heart in power. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So welcome, my dear friends, to the Made for Greatness podcast podcast where we understand what it means to be made for greatness and what it is this greatness that we're called to it's the greatness of god himself i want to share with you on this note something that my wife and i were just discussing and since i'm extroverted i need to somehow get it out and i apologize if if this some um, you know along with all of the other things i've ever recorded on this thing are disjointed and kind of scattered but it's along the lines of our, of our namesake, this quote that's attributed to Pope Benedict XVI. It's a combination of phrases and, and things that he had said over time. And it, it's based on the idea that there's vinegar in our hearts that has to be purged. I was talking to my wife about um, our calling and what, are, what we're called to do. And, and earlier, you know, within the past year, as in 365 days or more, we felt the call of God to go deeper into our faith and to that the wind had changed in our lives. Somehow that the flag was blowing one way and it started blowing the other way. We didn't know exactly what that meant. We didn't know if that meant to jump ship from our lives and do something new completely. We really had no idea, but we, but we knew that internally it meant something different than what it was yesterday. We knew that internally we had to somehow go with the flow if the flow is going the other way we got to go with that and so we started to really dive deep a little bit more i think than what we were praying before just as a couple at the very least as a couple um and trying to to make sure we stick to our daily commitments of prayer and reading scripture and hearing god's voice with each other and you know and i mentioned at the very least with each other but really it's individually. I mean, both are good things, but I think that individually we need to dive deep into the heart of God. So we're trying to unpack what that means. And we still are. We really don't know. And in many ways, I wish that I was like Elijah. And I and I and I talking to a, a very dear friend of mine a few days ago and talking about an Elijah pill. You know, I just I just want to I want to do all the things that Elijah did, and I want to serve God in the same way that Elijah did, but I just want to take a pill for it, you know, to get a vaccine. And then I got the Elijah vaccine. Now I'm Elijah. Look at that. I'm all powerful. And all. Look at that. That's awesome. The focus on, on that kind of a mindset that I had or have is more on the works of God rather than God himself. That's a big no-no. And, and St. John of the Cross admonishes us, warns us about that when we start seeking the gifts over God himself, when we try to look for all the signs and the wonders 
in the midst of God moving and seeing him himself for who he is and meeting and encountering love. And as we meet and encounter love, that we would be purged of this vinegar, the vinegar in our hearts. Pope Benedict, in these quotes that are attributed to him about being made for, made for greatness, he says that you're not made, the world offers you comfort, you're not made for comfort, you were made for the for greatness of God himself. And this second part of being made for greatness comes from his space salvi. You've heard me talk about this lots. And this vinegar thing, you've heard me talk about it lots. And in my conversation with my wife, I was sort of thinking, what, what is it that sets us apart from Elijah and the early church? You, you think about it a little, a little bit, the context of where they're at. So Elijah is the last prophet. Everyone else has been hunted down and brutalized and murdered by Jezebel. He's the last one left, the last of his, of his tribe, the last of his kin, people like him. And there, there's a man who's literally um, running for his life, hiding for safety. So out of a sense of survival, out of a sense of serving God's kingdom, perhaps serving God's kingdom more. But along that way, this vinegar in his heart is being purged step by step as he's walking up to the mountain, um, step by step along his way as he's escaping Jezebel. But there's a man who's literally suffering. The crucible of his life that he's in is, is squeezing, is, is forming him. And into the, into the prophet that he, that he is, into a greater prophet than what he was. I, I don't really, I don't want to dive into scripture too much. Maybe I should, maybe that's my fault. But I'm just more thinking context in my memory of this, of the context of Elijah. And now the early church, the crucible that they're in, the crucible that they're in, they, they literally, they knew the son of God. They knew God himself. And they watched him die. They, they saw all the signs and wonders of God himself. And then they watched him pass away. They were friends of God. They watched him die. They, they saw how they took him for granted, perhaps. They saw how they took him for granted. They abandoned him. They ran away, and they knew who they did that to. And so there's definitely a, a crucible there, sort of a, a something that, that purged that vinegar from their hearts. And then after the resurrection of Jesus, after the second, after the descent of the Holy Spirit on their hearts, we had another crucible of sorts. We had this crucible of persecution, again, similar to Elijah, this crucible of, of persecution that they literally saw their friends butchered and murdered and burned alive for their faith, this faith that they're proclaiming. Now, I, I think that when I'm in my conversation with my wife, was that I sense, I feel God is calling us to live a life radical, similar to Elijah and similar to the early church and similar to many thousands of saints throughout the centuries. And I think in general, there's nothing special about that. That's a call upon all the laity. All of us are called to live radical lives for the gospel of Jesus so we can advance the kingdom of our father throughout the entire world. That's our goal as, as lay people, as apostles. That's our job. And we're called to do that through uh, as the 
official doctrines of the church calls us, we're called to do that by utilizing the gifts of the Holy Spirit at our disposal. That means the gifts of the Isaiah gifts, you know, knowledge, wisdom, fear of God, piety, all these things. But it's also the Corinthian gifts, the, the gifts that St. Paul talks about in his letter to the Corinthians. Um, healing, miracles, signs and wonders, tongues, prophecy, and above all, prophecy. And, and then above that, prophecy, <laughs> so that we can build up the body of Christ. So it could be like Elijah. But here in our world today, you know, we don't have that same type of a crucible that the early church and that Elijah had. So it's, it's like we've got to create our own crucible. We've got to create the, we've got to allow God to move in our lives in such a way that there's a crucible around us that, that purges us that refines us, that makes us new, that makes us whole. And the analogy that came to my mind, I was talking to a different friend a few weeks ago about this, and I don't remember why we brought it up, but it was a great analogy in our conversation. But tonight it, it came back to me, and it's this cheesecloth. It's like we've got, to, we've got to wrap ourselves with cheesecloth and allow God to just squeeze all the extra fat and oils out so that we're left with just this piece of whatever whatever sustenance that is left that's just pure without the extra fat and without the extra oils without the extra liquids we need to allow god to apply his cheesecloth to our souls and so how do we do that and i think that is a necessary step you know there's i think there's different gradations i think one step of cheesecloth or this crucible of god one step is just purely and just simply saying, Jesus, come into my heart. Holy Spirit, rekindle your flame in me. That's one twist of the cloth. And for some, maybe for me, that's the only twist that I'll ever get to in my entire life. But I'm giving God that twist, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not fighting back. And any bit of me that might be fighting back is also being twisted and squeezed out. But allowing God to twist, you know, allowing God to, to purify us as gold is purified in fire. Allowing the, the, the goldsmith to make a work of art. That's one twist of the cloth. Another way that we can do that is fasting. That doesn't have to be 40 days, 40 nights. That doesn't have to be 40 days, 40 nights. It doesn't have to be that elaborate or that intense. but our moments of fasting should be one that allows God to put another twist of that cloth onto us, to, to turn up the flame just a little bit more. So whether that's, you know, I'm, I, I love coffee and I love McDonald's coffee and going to McDonald's, I really like to get a hamburger. They got really good hamburgers. I think Burger King's takes the, you know, I think that's the cat's meow, but McDonald's hamburgers, there's nothing wrong with those things. Those are good. And so one example of me fasting could be just getting a coffee and foregoing the hamburger. Oh, come on, Kev. It's chicken hamburger. It's really healthy for you. Chicken's loaded with protein. You know what? I'll forego the sandwich. I'll just be filled up on coffee, you know, as an example. That's one way that I can fast. Another way that we can do this is tithing. And I don't mean, like I hear, so this is what I mean. I mean like actual tithing, actual 10% of your income, surrendering it to God. And I mean like the first 10%, gross, you know. And, and 
I think that there's gradations of that. I think some of us can do it. Some of us can't. I think the best way to do it is just to just go ahead and do it and just start living on 10% less income. Just do it. But we talk, we hear a lot, especially in the Catholic church, if they mention tithing, it's often tied with you do a little bit at a time. And you know what? The little bit of the time, it's a little twist of that cloth and it's going to help a lot. I think my personal opinion, if you're looking for it, well, you're here and you're sticking around maybe to this point. My personal opinion, just, just go, just do it. Start living on 10%. It's easier to do it full hog than it is to do it half-assed. And I really mean that. That's another twist of the cloth. That's another way that we can create a crucible around us that allows God to move in power to purify us, to refine us, to make us down to that morsel of food that he can use to feed the world. That's that cheesecloth. That's the end of the cheesecloth that God can use us to feed his sheep. Isn't that cool? I think that's a neat analogy. Another crucible is government interference in our freedoms. And we're living through that right now. I'm a conservative, social conservative, political conservative. I'm not a libertarian, but I certainly, I think liberty should be paramount. Um, I think government is necessary in certain roles, but I think that um, the government is there to ensure our freedoms. And, uh, you know, yada, yada. I'm not going to get into libertarianism and all that stuff. I'm not going to go there. But we're living through that right now in the West. I'm talking to my wife and a lot of my friends that are from Eastern Bloc countries, so like former USSR, those guys, they're already buying land. They're already running to the hills and they're all ready to go today because they, they see what's happening here in the West. And I don't, don't just mean Western Canada or Western United States. I mean, the Western hemisphere, the West, the, the developed world as acting in concert with, it, with itself. It's like one, one big government is acting against its people. And you can, you can argue while well, they're just trying to keep us safe from this virus. This virus that literally does not have a very high death rate. I'm not exaggerating. A lot of people have died. I get it. I'm not mitigating their death. But when it was the death rate, like two and a half, four percent, that's it. It's not like the Spanish flu here. It's not smallpox. We're not dropping dead like flies. Okay. It doesn't justify this government inter intervention into our freedoms, into our daily lives. I think there's a balance that each of us should take. And I think each of us, that balance looks a little different. I'm ranting a little bit, but the cheesecloth, the cheesecloth is applied, the twist of the cloth is applied through other people's interactions with their lives in, an, in, a, in, a, in a way, not always negative, not always positive, sometimes a little bit of both, but we've got to allow God to use the moments that we find ourselves in as little twists of that cloth. So that, so that more of those oils, more of those liquids, more of those fats can be purged from our lives, purged from our souls. And I don't think that responding in anger and rage and rage against the machine of government, I think shouting our fists at the wind, I don't think that type is, is productive. And I don't think that's fruitful in the sense of cheesecloth. And I, and I wonder, and I suspect, that that type of a thing loosens the cloth a little bit. It's kind of like wiggling against it and making it less effective. 
And I don't mean that we acquiesce to government, but we ask God in this moment of government, in, in my view, government um, interference in our freedoms, government overreach. We ask God in these moments where we feel this, God, help me to be docile to your will and help me to see you in this and help me not to fight against you in this. And, and you know, in, in throughout the world right now, there's different reactions to this government involvement in our daily lives. There's protests going on, peaceful. They're all peaceful protests. These aren't Marxists doing this. These are people who are, who are loving freedom, standing up for their liberty and for the liberty of their children and their children's children, because they've seen these are people in Europe that have seen the overreach of government and the impact that it has on their children and their children's children. And they're fighting against that. They, in, in their own words, they say this. There's a dock worker from Italy. I remember watching this one video. It was beautiful. They were linked, armed, armed in arms, sitting on this, wherever they were sitting. It looked like a pier. I'm not sure. And there was a vaccine mandate. that They had to have this green pass, two boosters, to go to work. And they were protesting. They were refusing to leave. And you see arms in arms, they're linked. One guy's holding the rosary, and their mouths are, are moving, presumably saying a rosary. Another guy being interviewed by the camera is crying, and through the sobs, he's saying, I'm doing this for my children and their children. They cannot take our freedoms, and they cannot take their freedoms. So maybe... As we ask God in the moments where, where we find ourselves in these COVID stuff, that on one hand, okay, it's being docile a little bit to the workings of the government. It's being obedient in certain ways to the government, or maybe in some ways, depending where you're at, it's sitting in, on the docks, arm in arm, saying a rosary. Whatever that is, that you be docile to the Holy Spirit and stop wiggling against the action of God in your life. Allow him to twist that cheesecloth a little bit tighter in that moment that you're in. And don't let this experience that we're in this, hopefully, well, yeah, once in a lifetime experience. Hopefully it is a once in a lifetime experience. I don't think it's going away anytime soon, especially since right now the government of the UK is, is proposing um, Adjust, and they're not the only ones to do this, adjusting their uh, vaccine passports to three shots. You know, because we know, and the, and the science is out there, please debate me if you want, science is out there that these vaccines, they work to mitigate the impact of COVID on your body, but they don't last very long. They last maybe nine months at the most. And so it makes boosters necessary. My personal opinion is just to let it go. Just be done with it and just go deal with this virus as it is allow it to weaken out just go <laughs> i'm sorry i digress but don't let this experience of COVID. and i think that god's hand is here as much as satan hands is, is all over the place creating division and sowing animosity all this stuff um uh, as much as i think satan's hand is a play god's hand is a heck of a lot bigger than his and a heck of a lot more powerful so don't let this go to waste another thing is is our bishops in our church. There are so many little examples. And if you listen to podcasts, Catholic podcasts in particular, the, you know, Jeff, Jeff Kamen's podcast is awesome. Listen to that. Um, um, a Dram with Friends, an excellent podcast. Listen to that. Um, Franciscan Friars of the Renewal, they got an excellent one. Listen to that. Renewal Ministries, they got a couple of excellent podcasts. Listen to those. 
Catholic Answers is always great. There's some Catholic podcasts out there that are railing against the church. And I think that sometimes those voices are necessary. And I think for each and every one of us, it should be individual discernment if it's good for us by the fruit of listening to it. Talking to a priest, well, this is so sad. I'm going to say this other story first, second story first. Um, a few weeks ago, I was talking to a priest who said to me that unvaccinated people are despicable and they deserve to die alone at home in bed suffering under the weight of their decision not to get vaccinated. They don't deserve treatments of the healthcare system. Now, as deplorable that that statement is, his voice is probably not the only voice to say that, and that's where Satan's hand is at play. And so for us, we cannot, we cannot respond with fire. For us, and yes, I do think our bishops let us down. I do think that they were trying their very best. I do think that everybody who has been talking about a pandemic, a global pandemic is going to kill everybody off for so many years. I think they got a little skittish and I do think that they're acting with the best interest of the people in mind. But at some point you got to say, get your ass back to mass. You know, at some point you got to say enough of this lockdown stuff. We're going to mass government. You do your thing. We're going to do our thing. And we're going to be careful as we do our thing. Priests, if you're comfortable, do as many masses as necessary. At some point, my friends, the bishops had to have done that. And many, many cases, they didn't. And I do think they let us down. What's the appropriate response? It's not anger. It's fasting and prayer for them. We might, we might not respect their works. We might not respect what they're doing. But we've got to love these people. And God has called these individual men to become our bishops, our shepherds, for a specific reason. And as much as we might like to think that the Masons have run the church, that the church is, is being overthrown by Satan, as much as we want to deny scripture, sacred scripture that says the gates of hell will not prevail against this holy church, as much as we, as much as we want to forget that, God himself is bigger. And so we got to respond with the grace of God. God loves these bishops as much as he loves you and as much as he loves us. We got to love these people. And that's how we allow God's crucible, his cheesecloth to twist the fat and the, and the oil and the muck out of our, out of our very souls. And if, you, and, if, and if we fight against this, if we rail against this, if we continue to be angry and stomp our feet at these silly bishops, silly governments, silly society, instead of responding with love and grace and prayer and fasting, then we've let this opportunity to be in God's crucible, we've let it go to waste. Don't do that. Don't. Respond to his crucible in kind. Respond to it and say, yes, Holy Spirit, come and rekindle your flame in me. That's, my friends, that's how we get out of this mess. By saying, come Holy Spirit, rekindle your flame in me. Second Chronicles, I want to share with you the scripture to close. Second Chronicles chapter 7. If my people, if my people who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. If my people who are called by my name, humble themselves, let go of your opinion. Kevin, let go of your opinion. Father, help me to let go of my opinion and my passions. Help me, Father, to humble myself 
Say it with me. My friends, say it with me. Help me, Father, to humble myself. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face, only you, my dear brothers, only you can say if you're praying and seeking God's face in a way that he's calling you to. And if we're allowing ourselves to be distracted by what's around us, give your head a shake. Pray and seek his face in this government overreach, in this, but the, but the unvaxxed, but the unvaxxed, in that struggle that you're having, whatever that struggle is, pray and seek God's face. Turn from your wicked ways. How many of us contracept? How many of us look at pornography? How many of us gossip about other people? How many of us slander other people? How many of us love our opinion to the point of hating other people's opinions that are different? How many of us have wicked ways entrenched in our lives? Turn from your wicked ways. Pray and seek God's face. Humble yourself. And what's God going to do when we start doing that? Huh? What's he going to do? Then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. The quickest route out of this COVID stuff is holiness. The most appropriate response that we can have against a government overreach, against our brothers and our sisters rejecting us because we're unvaccinated or vaccinated, whatever the segregation in your life lies, the quickest way out of that is holiness. Humbling yourself, praying, and seeking God's face. It's not anger. It's not, and, and, I, and I don't mean like uh, righteous anger. I think there's, there's a place for anger. Um, don't get me wrong. It's not, we're not getting out of COVID with unbridled anger and unbridled judgment and criticism and harsh criticism of our leaders, no matter how feckless they might seem. It's love. It's the way of love. It's the way of humbling ourselves. It's the way of letting go of our opinions and allowing God to twist that cloth and to tighten that crucible. So, dear Father, I pray that I would please, in all of us who might be listening, that we would please, Father, humble ourselves, turn from our wicked ways, start praying and seeking your face in all things. Father, help us not to be distracted by our own opinions, by how we see things ought to go. And Father, come and glorify your name. Glorify your name, dear Lord. We love you and we bless you. And my dear friends, please, let's say Hail Mary together. And ask Our Lady to guide us, to teach us how to be patient, teach us how to humble ourselves, teach us how to seek the face of God. Let's say it. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the St. Michael the Archangel prayer, my dear friends. I love this prayer. There's so many versions of it. Of course, I'm going to say my version of it. Pray with me wherever you are. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in this day of battle. Be our safeguard against the wickedness and the snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits of proud throughout the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen.
Remember, my friends, the world offers you comfort, the comfort of our opinions, the comfort of the world's comforts, whatever that is. The world offers you comfort, but you are not made for comfort. You are made for the greatness of God himself.